Alrighty, and welcome back to Cibolo Creek Conversations. My name is Wyatt Marchant, and I'm here with Mr. Paul Wilson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Okay, so moving on to the other half, demons. Demons. So what are, I know you kind of said, but uh, what are demons? Um, and I guess we can get into what what they do. Yeah, so in in the context of our discussion, demons are angels who went with Satan when he, in his pride, made a choice to want to be equal to God and was dismissed. And they, they, the word is they fell. They fell with him. They, they left heaven and basically started their own thing. Satan started his own thing. And these, these demons are fallen angels who serve as his ambassadors, his messengers. Uh, except their message and their their um, their ambitions are just the contrast of angelic, divine beings. Um, Satan's primary work is to deceive. He stands in opposition to all that God's trying to accomplish in the world, and his great ambition is to lead people away from a trust or faith in Christ. And the way that he's portrayed, even in the New Testament, is he has some sort of power. I don't know if I want to say control. He has some sort of powerful influence in what the what we call the systems of our world, and he utilizes them to help accomplish his purposes. So... Um, we could say things like um, systems of education, systems of politics, systems of power and influence, systems of, um, we, we probably throw in there like money and mm -hmm. all the pleasures and advantages it can bring. He can utilize those systems to help bring about deception, to help bring about persecution, to help bring about opposition to what it is that God's trying to do in the world. And so he, if you will, is the mastermind, not the mastermind in the same level that God is all-knowing, but he's not, a, he's not a fool. He's not, well, he is a fool, but he's, he's not ignorant. And so he and his messengers are busy about doing whatever they can to make life hard for what Jesus is trying to do. Mm. Yeah. I've heard, I, I don't know how much scriptural basis this is, there is for this, but like, it would make sense. I think you could probably get yourself there just by kind of, you know, uh, logically it kind of makes sense is that like essentially knowing that they can't, that Satan knowing that he can't take, him and the demons back up to heaven and take God down because well, he's God. Um, he decided to then, in, uh, you know, attempt to destroy that which God most loved, which is us. Right. And so that's why he spends most of his time um, attempting to deceive us and win us over in the same way that, and, and, and to twist the truth of God's word in the same way that he did to Eve in, in the sure. garden. Which is just a, one of those many expressions of deception. Um, I was going to say something, I just forgot. Um, 
We can jump to the next topic if you want me to. There we go. Demonic yep. possession. Give me your hot take on that. <laughs> My hot take of that. I, I think it's I think it's probably a real thing. Um again, does it happen today in the same way that we see it sort of occur in the gospels? And here's an interesting discussion. I'm not saying we have to go here now, but how much of what is portrayed as demonic or what that was understood as demonic possession in the Gospels was really just mental illness, but they didn't have an understanding of that. Yeah. And there was sort of this superstitious or religious understanding of that person acts weird, does strange things. They're possessed when it might not have been legitimate possession like we're using it. However, there are examples where Christ cast out demons. So that possession was real. And um, does it happen today? Yes, I'm, I'm sure it does. I don't think we encounter it in quite the same way as they did in the Gospels. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I have actually had this conversations before, maybe not on the air, but I think much of the evil that's happening in our culture these days is really the work of demonic influence. It's not just evil stuff. It's demonic in, in its origins. And I guess if we wanted to be literal, I think that'd be the right word. If we want to be literal about it, some of the strongest proponents or most active activists for these very evil things, I guess I could make a case is that they're heavily influenced, if not possessed by the demonic ambitions that Satan has yeah. for our world. I mean, again, you and I do a lot of reading and looking at culture and I'm looking at stuff and I'm just like, how in the world did we get here to somehow justify, applaud, approve, accept and adopt this sort of mentality or this sort of behavior? Well, it, if you want to call it possession, that's one thing, but it's certainly, it is unbridled demonic activity that we're seeing. Yeah. And we see it in, you know, celebrities, we see it in politicians, we see it in activists, we see it in some really wild ways. And is that the same kind of demonic possession that we see as like the guy who was possessed in, in the gospels? Uh, it, it may be an illustration of it, maybe different, but it's certainly evidence that there's, there's evil rampant in the hearts and minds of, of human beings. So I have two things I want to say, but first another line from Wayne Grudem that made me think exactly the, what you would just said. He says, writing demons, they use lies, deception, murder, and every other kind of destructive activity to attempt to cause people to turn away from God and destroy themselves. And I just immediately started thinking about, okay, well, the addict is destroying himself. The, uh, abortion, literally the destruction of a life inside of your own body. 
we're encouraging the mutilation of bodies now to change genders and whatnot and hormones and whatnot. And I'm like, man, that now it's just like more literal than it has been in some time. Yeah, exactly. And again, some people will say, well, that's just the progress of evil. Some people would just say that's just progress. <laughs> Man, touche. You're exactly <laughs> right. I mean, progressives are often calling for what they, what they would describe as a freedom uninhibited by law and, you know, kind of patriarchal or puritanical sorts of constraints. This freedom to do as you please. Mm. Well, if that's left unbridled, then you can't say that anything's wrong. And anything that somebody does would have to be approved and accepted. And um, so, yeah, I, the stuff I'm seeing and hearing about, it's certainly, I guess here's, here's the, probably the safest way to say that. And I, these guys that I'm in this text chain with, uh, two of them are pastors and all of them are committed followers of Christ. Um, we look at what we see and hear in the news and read about. Um, we look at that and say, boy, if, if there was ever an example of spiritual blindness and spiritual deception and demonic influence happening these would be illustrations of it yeah and like you said there's a whole side of people who would say no that's just progress that's just people given the freedom to to be happy and to you know feel loved and there's another half that goes boy when you talk about spiritual blindness calloused hearts um an absolute rejection of Christ and his, you know, ethics. That's what that is. And so it depends on where you land on, you know, what side of that. But I'm seeing what I refer to as Romans chapter one in technicolor. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. Yeah. And we're seeing it pushed in all sorts of ways. And if, if you don't see it, you, your head is, is in the sand. You're, you're just not being honest. Or you're only reading the news that tells you the side that you want to hear. Yeah, no, I would, I, I would say that if you don't see it, then, yeah, you have been blinded by the very in influence of the demonic that is causing the whole problem anyways. Um, yeah, well, and all, all the arguments for that type of activity are the exact same arguments that Satan used against Eve. It's like, well, you know, well, eat from this tree. Um, Eve says, no, God told us not to. He's like, well, he, he's just keeping you from something better. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, well, no, you sure, like, surely you won't die. No, that would be, that. that would be, what kind of God would do that? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just keeping you from something better. You know, be free, essentially. Right. The one guideline that they, he really gave, um, or one thing that he's told not to do. Yeah. It's astounding. It's astounding. Okay. So, um, so maybe more of like an, on an influence level, 
than rather than possession. Because I, I, as far as my opinion goes, the very little that that's worth. Um, but my take on it is that there's varying degrees of influence that like a demon can actually have on a person, right? Um, up to demonic possession. I think that I think that it's real. Um, I think there's a lot of stories that probably just don't make a whole lot of sense. I, I was actually listening to a podcast and they had, um, you know, John Mark Comer. Uh huh. He's a pastor, uh, a younger guy, a, a, a pastor, a pastor out of um, Seattle, I believe, Portland. Um, anyways, his wife was on this podcast, and this isn't necessarily, I guess, it's the demonic, but it has more to do with curses. So. Which I would, I would love to have a, a podcast like on the occult in general, because mm. um, that's kind of coming up a lot of new agey stuff um, that I think is just flat out occult. But um, Tammy Tammy Comer had this illness that her entire the, the the women in her family kept on dealing with, and and it was hitting her really hard for like ten years. Uh, they went all these different doctors. Uh, they prayed, you know, for God to heal her. All this stuff. Long story short. They found out that uh, her grandmother had been cursed by some lady in Mexico. That's, that's where they were from. And, um, or something like that. Costa Rica, maybe. She had been cursed, and uh, the curse had never been essentially, like, dealt with. And, Tam, and then whenever they finally, like, uh, prayed specifically about that curse and, and, you know, did whatever they did, um, then she actually got better. Which is just really odd. Of all people, I would not. I had. I have never heard Protestants speak of things that way. Okay. Um. It was because it was. It was a Catholic podcast, but, um, yeah. It just really makes you think. Like, what? How can people be affected by such things, and how can Christians be affected by such things? Yeah. Again, I'm gonna just kind of go to a, kind of a staple understanding is i don't believe that a christ follower can be possessed because he's indwelt by the holy spirit who protects him from i agree um i think that a christ follower can be attacked and influenced by satanic activity i don't think he can be possessed yeah however i'd say i don't know if however is the right contrasting word there I do believe that a non-believer can, in fact, be possessed, that they can give themselves over to evil in such a way that they become a vessel, basically, of a demonic presence. And, um, and you know, there's, there's some odd things throughout church history where those sorts of things were observed or dealt with and... Again, I'm, I don't have enough experience to dogmatically say no, but again, some of the things you hear and some of the things you read about what people have said and what people have done, I don't know how else to, exp other than unbridled evil in the human art, I don't know how else you explain it other than it's a demonic work done through them. Something else I heard, and this isn't, maybe there's not a direct link, but you know how um, whenever Satan was cursed in Genesis, how uh, 
he was told that the essentially the offspring of of the wife of the woman would stamp on his head. That's like the first prophecy of of Christ to come. I forgot what the word for it, but it's a cool sounding word. What that is, but anyways, um, so then it, he he would then be motivated to kill children essentially because who knows who's going to be there. Oh. And there's a common thing throughout cultures where you just keep on having this urge to sacrifice and kill babies. It's just always this thing in like all these different cultures. And God just like, no, stop killing the kids, man. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even now there's like this, I don't, it doesn't make any sense for humans to have an urge to kill babies. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, and now, you know, I mean, now it's happening all the time, but it was just an odd thing. And it was kind of, kind of a cool thing. I'm like, oh, well, I guess he would be motivated to kill, to kill babies. Um, right. So it made sense. I don't know. Not that it's cool. It's terrifying, but it was a cool link, I guess. Yeah. No, that would be an interesting um, theme to research if you yeah. were interested in that. Yeah. That you could probably make a, a case for whatever satan's up to through the destruction of human life and you know infants being particularly vulnerable to that sort of situation and also i think particularly sharp to god's side like it's even um like christ you know speaks he speaks so highly of children he, you know he has yeah. a warm spot like all people have in, in their heart for children. Um, and he tells us, well, we need to be like children or, you know, have the mindset. And, and he warns very specifically, don't, don't be a stumbling block in the lives of children. So, yeah, I think, I think he sees children as these very vulnerable, valuable beings who are susceptible to whatever influence, uh, comes their way. Cause they don't have the wherewithal to, you know, navigate what's being done yeah. or what's being said and God, I think, I think what I would learn from that is God has a repulsion against preying on the innocent and children being sort of the supreme example of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, if Satan is motivated to destroy that, which God loves, children would be particularly yeah. Yeah. piercing so he you know so so i'm sure he thinks but i'm sure god has a way of smacking him back in the end but oh he does and there's there's a judgment that will be executed and it'll be severe and someday we'll be rid of of him and his angels yeah all right well very good so that's demons and angels demons and angels just like that just like that, all all figured out. <laughs> you know, um, I guess I'll close with this: is I'm not a see demons under every rock kind of guy. Some people are; they want to blame everything on satanic opposition. Yeah, like we've said, it rains, and it's like yeah, the yeah. enemy. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not that guy. But like I said, I, I live with a confident awareness that there's these two realms and there is spiritual activity in that celestial realm and it has bearing on 
the world and our life in one way or another. And so I often think of the passage of Scripture in Ephesians 6, where the Apostle Paul says, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The real battle isn't between you and I on the earthly realm. The real battle is, as he says, you know, powers of dark forces, dark forces in other realms. And so um, really even the conflict that we might experience on an earthly realm is being celestially influenced. There's a reason, it's sin and an expression of um, on the earthly realm. And so um, I try to, I tr while I'm, like I said, I'm not a demon under every rock kind of guy, I am trying to learn to be more aware of the conflict that happens between the celestial realm and the earthly realm. And I can look at, I think what's, what's happened is um, I can look at culture now, I can look at society and the evil that's being perpetuated and I go, that's evidence of what God says to be true about Satan. And I, because I know that he, his, um, one of his tactics is to destroy and discourage Christians. Um, I'm trying to be aware of the fact that when something feels um, hurtful to me and discourages me, again, I'm not trying to blame it all on Satan but I'm trying to recognize he's at work here and I have an important choice to make about how I'm going to respond. Am I going to intentionally respond in the power of the spirit of God that lives within me to say, no, you're not going to win this battle of discouraging me, telling me lies that I'm going to accept and believe and, you know, kind of spiral downward. So I, I just, I guess the way I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say in closing is I think it's real and there's wisdom in being aware of it and being um, cautious about it, not to where you're always living in fear because then I think that's a failure of faith. Yeah. You know, John writes, greater is he who's in you than he's in the world. Um, we know the end of the story. We know that Christ wins and Satan loses and judgment's coming. Um, so I don't want us, I don't ever want to be hopeless or, you know, s too afraid to even go outside because I think of all the evil things that Satan's up to. But I, I want to be aware of it because it can have an impact on my spiritual journey, my spiritual pilgrimage. New word. No, because you, you brought up that you don't like spiritual journey yeah. last week. So I mean, we'll have to do a podcast on why you think that's a term. Don't go into it right now. But anyways, so the point is I'm trying to be aware and alert to what the scriptures talks about the work of Satan in opposition to the things that Christ is trying to accomplish and trying to accomplish in and through my life. Um, so just, this will be 
off the cuff illustration. So if I get a letter, like I have recently, I got, I got a letter that was pretty critical of something that I do as a teacher. And it's possible that I could sort of accept that criticism, internalize it, and just kind of spiral down into discouragement about the work that I'm up to or the work that God's up to and through me. Or I could say, no, we're not, we're not going to, we'll take whatever lessons we can learn from this, this harsh criticism, or we can, and we can take what we can learn from it, but we're not going to let it define or decide if in fact what's true about what I believe God's doing in and through my life. Sure. And so that, I guess that's what I want people to be aware of, not living in fear, but certainly being aware that there is a battle and the battles for your soul and the battles for your faith and who you choose to trust. And the more you understand it and are aware of it, the more you can kind of do battle against it. I would say, <clears throat> I guess the one, okay, a resource that you could read, if you haven't read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. I think that that's a really fascinating insight into because it it's screw tape letters is, is um, these two demons that are talking back and forth to each other, uh, and one of them's older and he's giving the younger one advice on how to essentially you know destroy that demon's person, yeah. and um, it just describes the deceptive ways that we are all influenced. Now, whether or not there's actually demons writing letters back and forth to each other, which I think would be hilarious if it were true, <laughs> um, but the ways that those uh, evil forces work are described really well in that book. And it gives you a better idea of what to like be on the lookout for in your own life. Yeah. So I guess a genre of literature is what, an allegory? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a true story, but it's a very creative and consequently very powerful portrayal of how it how it works it's just not necessarily the way it works that makes sense yep and so yeah i think we've referenced that book a couple of times in this podcast it's it's a great read i i read it in i think in junior high school which was a great fit because i wasn't a big fan of reading at the time but it was such an interesting story in the way that it was you know, portrayed, um, that I, I still remember parts of it to this day, 50 years later. And, uh, so yeah, I, it's like you said, it's a highly recommended read, especially if you're interested in sort of understanding the spiritual dynamics of this tension that we live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, good podcast. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up the, the topic. Yeah. I think that we have uh, maybe one more topic, and then we'll probably go on hiatus for the year. Oh, for, is that for right? The holidays, we're, yeah. We're already there. I was going to take all of November and December off. Wow. So it's two months. So ten months out of the year for a podcast. That's pretty good. Yeah. I so I forgot that we're kind of getting close there right now. It's because it's still like eighty-five degrees outside. <laughs> it is. It's eighty-five. It's not a hundred and five. So I'm taking. That's true. It. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I take what we can get. Exactly. Alrighty, folks. Well, we'll see everybody next time. 
We hope you enjoyed this presentation of Cibola Creek Community Church. If you did, please consider supporting the ministry of our church. Your donations make a difference. To check out more resources or to share a gift, please visit us at CibolaCreek.com. Thanks for listening.